This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. In Pirkei Avos, in Peri Gimel, and it's not even my translation, it's the actual literal translation. Peri Gimel says like this, in Mishnah Tezayim. Hu HaYayimah, Rabbi Kiva said, Hakol Nosan Be'eravon. Everything in life is given to you on consignment. Okay? Everything is given to you on consignment. In other words, Hashem gives us life and breath and time and everything on consignment that we use it for the right things. That's why it's given it to us. Umitsuda Prusa Akohachayim and a net internet is spread across the whole world, across all those that are alive. See? Mishnah knew. What kind of lashon, what kind of expression is that? Umitsuda and a net. So that's the translation. Prusa is spread, Akohachayim Across the world and all life. Hachanut ksucha, the, the store is open, right? Life is open, so you have choice. Vachen v'ni makif, and the store owner is circling. Vachinchos pesuach, and the, the book is open. Vachinchos and he's continuously writing in the book what you took from the store. In other words, everything's being written in the book. Whatever you do in life, good, bad, in between, whatever you're doing, right? It's, everything is written. Don't think that the book is closed and you're getting, you're pulling something off the shelf and Hashem doesn't know what you're pulling off the shelf. Everything you take in life, everything is written. Bechola writes a little voice. Hashem says, you don't got to pay right now. You can have life. You can borrow time, right? Come and borrow time. Use it. And the messengers, the workers for the, for the, for the owner of the, gro- of the store, are continually circling every day. And they make you pay. They make you pay. People go, we go through, we do the wrong thing, so we, we suffer. It says even if you put your hand in for a quarter in your pocket and you take out a dime, right, that's also suffering because you have to go back into your pocket. So, the workers are out there. And you have what to depend on, right? Um, and you can depend on Hashem is keeping a, uh, he's a good accountant, he's a good controller, he's keeping everything the way it's, well, you know, the numbers are there. But din din emes, and whatever Hashem is going to judge is going to be, is going to be judged honestly. But hakom usukin and everything is ready for the tzaddikim, the, 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 their seat, the portion in, in the, in the suudas halavyotan, Mashiach comes, is, is already set. Okay. So it says the word, that there's a net spread out so Wallace, and you're going a little bit out of the box here and saying the Mishnah is talking about the internet it's talking about a net that you go fishing right? okay so the Tiferes throw translates the following very fascinating so it says the net is spread out the, the store is open and the owner of the store is is walking around. Okay. What does that mean? Who's walking around? So when I first learned it, I thought it meant that Hashem's store is open and Hashem is walking around. No. It's not what the mission is saying here. Kufhei, listen carefully. Who's this Chenveni that's walking around? Hayetzahara, Yetzahara, Hu Hataiva Shiba'adam. Yetzahara is the lust that all of us have, to do the wrong things, look at the wrong pictures, listen to the wrong music, ingest the wrong foods and drink. Taifa, lust, gamble, smoke, whatever, whatever your taifa is, right? Hayetzahoru hu ha taifa shibadam, 
Who Achenveni? He's the store owner in this Mishnah. Hamakif, who circles, Umikarev, Hanashim El Schorosai, and brings in the customers to look at his Chaira, at what he's selling. Now it sounds a little bit more like the internet. In other words, you can go on the internet for the right reasons, but the store is open, it's open to go anywhere, and he's going to, right now, so, still you could say, Rewalski, that's not what it's talking about. Now, this is amazing. Listen to what he says. The Gam. Im lo yirha adam hadavor shemachtioi. That even if the person doesn't see the object that he, that, that he wants to sin with, that he's going to sin with. Yitzro, yiftahu, the Yitzhahara will, will talk you into lelech lisham. To go there. That's Mamash Internet. In other words, the, the Avera that you want to do is not there. It's not there. You want to look at pictures you're not supposed to look at. You don't have them in your house. You don't have them. Or you want to gamble. You, you have no, you, you're in your house. You don't, can't gamble in your house. So he says, this net that's spread out around the world, this store that's open, right? You got to open your, open the, whatever it's called. You know, you gotta click on enter, you gotta open the internet, whatever. Right? So the browser. You gotta open, you gotta open it. If it's if you're not open, it's a dead screen, right? So you gotta open. So he's saying over here that the person doesn't see it. The screen is dark. It's a hard gonna bring him to it. Yes, so you find a Lelok Shub to go there. And then Aina Baliba Sasure Davera, once he's there, his eyes and his heart will go and do the Avera. A missioner was written a long time ago about the net. So he says that there's going to be a Yetzirah one day that's going to bring you in. You're not even you're not even going to go into his store. He's going to bring you into his store. And I know that I scream about it a lot, and and not enough people scream about it. But all I can tell you is that I don't know, and Chav Shalom has nothing to do with you because I can stand in any crowd of any guys or girls and make this comment. I don't know that there's one person in this room. Well, that there's one person that I, that I know that has internet and has never seen something on his internet that he wasn't supposed to. Two percent out of a hundred. Two guys out of a hundred. That could say to me, Rob Wallstein, I could give you my word that I own the internet. I have never on my internet seen something that I'm not supposed to. Yeah, it could be one time. By accident, you open the wrong mail. I'm not, I'm not. Saying it's your fault. Most of it, most of the time, it is your fault. But let's make believe it's not your fault, right? It's not your fault. So, so, unless you absolutely need it for work, unless you absolutely need it for work, and at work, and to have it in a place where it's mamish in public, so that you can't go to something because someone next door to you or someone that's walking around might see it, you're really not allowed to have it. It's, it's really not a thing to have. I know I might sound like a dinosaur, but Wallstein runs a very big business. And I think I'm normal. And I don't have it. And I get around it. I get around it. If you can, why? Why don't I have it? I don't trust myself. I don't trust the net. I don't trust the net. The fish don't trust the net. The smart fish don't get caught in the net. They don't trust the net. The fool thinks that the net has holes, so you're going to slip through the net. The fisherman knows that the fish he's looking for 
he will always use a net that the holes are too small to slip through. Only the silly fish think that they can go into the net and slip through the holes. And I cannot tell you in the last couple of weeks just the situation with married people, with from boys and from girls that have just destroyed their lives. Besides what you could see on their net, the, the, even the games... And, and one guy says to me, you know, Rebbe, all I do is I, I look at the news before I go to sleep on the internet. That's all I do. So how long? This is two hours. <laughs> two hours to look at the news? He says, you know, I, I start reading all the other, you know, the, not, not the bad stuff, but whatever. You know, I, I start reading, then I do the weather and the stock market and all this. I said, so two hours you're wasting. Put on W, w what is it, 1010. Right? We'll give you the world in 22 minutes. You get the world in 22 minutes. You don't need two hours. We have to, we have to, guys, I'm just telling you, again, you can, you can listen, you cannot listen. We have to know that this mission knew exactly what it was talking about. That, that the power of the internet is that you can go to places, that's the Yitzhahara. That you can go to places that you can never go and you can get there so fast. And, and that's what he created. He created roads to get to places that, I mean, kids that have internet on their phones, I mean, it's not normal. You know, 15, 14-year-old kids with internet on their phones. And, and they have no life. They sit in school. They go to the bathroom just to, you know, just to look at things on the internet. And that, good or bad or sports or, or baseball or whatever it is. But that's not a life. It's not a life. Look what's going on outside, Baruch Hashem. The world is blooming. It's springtime. And, 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 and you know, everyone's into their raspberries and blackberries and blueberries. And that's... That's year round, you know, blueberries and blackberries are year round. It's never, it's, it's, it, you know, Pesach, I had time. I went to a great, I went to a great adventure to, uh, my uncle went to, to New England to the Six Flags. Right? I want to tell you a very interesting story that happened in a great adventure. But, but so many people, parents that were there, right? They were there with their kids. You finally have a cholamoid. You're there for two days. You don't see your kids a whole year, right? And, okay, get on the ride and everyone's sitting with their blackberries the whole day. That's all they were doing. They're looking at their blackberries and their, and their cell phones, and, and and they think they did a good thing. I took my kids to you know to, to great adventure. And meanwhile, that's what they're busy with. And the kids themselves, they don't want to go on rides anymore. They're busy looking at their blackberries, blueberries, whatever. I don't know what exactly they're called. Whatever the new one, the old one. There's no life anymore. You know, I went to the zoo. Took my kids, my grandchildren to the Central Park Zoo. The same thing. We're, we're dead. We're dead. There's no more human beings. It's the nicest time of the year. Walk down Avenue, not Avenue J, but any of the side streets, and, and there's nothing growing on Avenue J. But you can walk down the side streets, and look what's going on. Just I was walking on Pesach, the white and the pink and the different kinds of pink, and the cherry blossoms and the, and the Chinese cherry tree. and Because the, the, Baruch Hu has this whole thing going on, and, and, and nobody sees it. He, he, he locked us into this, this net that he has us, he has us captured in. And, and, you know, we have no life. But we're going to talk a little bit more about that a little bit. I want to tell you what happened in Six Flags. Interesting thing I learned in Six Flags. So um, we finished out in Mincha, and I was at the, at the entrance of Six Flags. So they have, it's called Six Flags. So they have these huge flagpoles with these flags on top, right? A New England flag, a police flag, I don't know, an American flag, whatever. Um, and somebody said to someone else, you know, it's very windy today. Now, it was not windy at all, Cholomite. It was sunny and beautiful. It wasn't windy at all. So the other guy said, what do you mean it's windy? It's not windy at all. I don't feel any wind. I was just standing there. He goes, yeah, look at the flags. So I looked up. A 
flags were flying like crazy. They were blowing in the wind like crazy. But where we were standing, right, there was no wind. That was the end of their discussion. But, you know, I'm a little out of the box. So I'm like, why did I, why, why did I hear this whole discussion? I was walking away from Mincha. What is this to teach me? And I, I learned this crazy lesson. I have to share with you this lesson I learned from the flags. So many times I get this question, how do you know there's a Hashem? I get this all the time, right? You don't see Him. You don't feel Him, right? You don't see Hashem. You don't feel Him. How do you know there's a Hashem? So I said to myself, this is the answer. Here I am, standing over there a whole day. I don't feel any wind. I don't see any wind. Wind is not something that you can see. If you're in a house, right? Let's say you're in a house. The only way that you can see that there's wind is by an object moving in the wind, whether it's a tree or sand or garbage or something flying, right? But if there's no objects and there's a wind, right? An ocean, you see the waves. A sandstorm, you see the sand. But if there's no objects and there's a wind, you don't see the wind. So what makes it your ability to see wind? An object moving in the wind. Standing there, if somebody would have asked me, one of you guys would have said, Ray Wallstein, is it, is you feel any wind down here? I would have said no. But the minute I would look up at the flag pole, right, many times, many of you I'm sure have gone to baseball games. I've gone to baseball games. You sit in Yankee Stadium or in Shea Stadium and there's not a drop of wind. And it's very calm. But you look center field at the American flag and the thing's whipping around. And in baseball, right, and I got a whole thing, I shouldn't talk so much sports, but in baseball, right, the the field shifts according to the flag in center field. If it's blowing to the left, east or west, they shift the outfield that way. If it's going the other way, if there's a heavy wind, they shift the outfield that way. Meanwhile, you're sitting there enjoying your Coca-Cola and your, your kosher hot dog, and and there's no wind. So the only way that they know there's a wind, the coach says, look, the flag's going this way, the flag's going that way. So you can only tell by the flag. So I said to myself... HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Hashem, you can't see. We don't have the ability with our eyes to see Hashem. But He put objects in the world. That's part of my discussion tonight. He put objects in the world that through, just like those flags were a way for me to see the wind, He put objects in the world that you see through the objects that there's a God. If there was no objects in the world, you talk, it would not. You wouldn't, you wouldn't be able to know. But through the objects in the world, you're able to see that there's a HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Anything that you study, you look at the flowers, you look at animals, fish, whatever it is, whatever you want to look at in the world, a human being, a, a human body, a birth, whatever goes on in the world, those are flags. Those are six flags. Those are a hundred flags. Those are a million flags that are blowing every day with Hashem's wind. And all you need to do is to look up and to look at these objects in the world, and you'll see HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Because without these objects, you talk, don't see HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That's what I learned from this little story, from watching these flags blow. Because I would not have known that there was any wind unless I saw that flag. And therefore, this is a time... Now, it's an interesting thing, because according to what I'm saying, in the mission of Pirkei Avos, that doesn't make any sense. The mission says, if a person is walking on the way, and he's learning Torah... And he stops learning Torah, and he says to his friend, Wow, what a beautiful unplowed field. Manah Elon, what a beautiful tree. Look what Hashem created. A beautiful tree. Look what Hashem created. An unplowed field, right? 
Says the Mishnah Pirkei Avais, Mitzchayev b'nafshay. Yerchayev misa. Yerchayev to die. So the question is, well, you, well, see, you just told us that the only way to see God is through the flag. Isn't that a beautiful thing? Could you imagine? You're learning with your friends, right? And you walk by a beautiful tree or a stream and you stop and you go, Chayim, look what Hashem created. Beautiful tree and beautiful water, right? You must Chayim b'nafshay. It's a terrible thing. You should die, says the Mishnah. So, Walsh, what are you talking about? I heard a fantastic answer this year. It happens to be this Mishnah bothered me because when do you, when don't you? When do you, well, you know, I'm always talking about look at the blossoms, look at the tree, you know, you know, look at, I went to the, I went to the zoo with my grandchildren, even in the zoo, just the, the different animals and, 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 and the way they communicate and just every, everything about an animal altogether is just, right, that's the lowest level. We're at a much higher level and it's just, it's just amazing. But maybe not allowed to go to the zoo then, because if you say what beautiful animals Hashem created, beautiful colors, these birds, and everything, I'm still trying to figure out, you know, you go to the aquarium, you see these fish, and we never see these fish. So why, why I'm working on this in my head, I don't, I haven't come up with an answer yet. There, there's a time, there's a, there's an ocean that's full of millions of fish that no one in this room will ever, ever see. You will never see them, you know nothing about them. There's a coral sea that you'll never see. What Hashem created if we never could see it? So, whatever, I'm, I'm, Mitzvah, you'll have a terence. In other words, everything it says that Hashem created in this world is for the human being. But if you created something that I can't see, so what does it do for me? Especially if it's not a kosher fish. What do I have from it? What? We'll, we'll, we'll have an answer. It's a share that I have to work on. Things in the Amazon, things that we don't see, things that we can't see in the center of the earth. Certain things that a human being can't see. Why were they created? I don't know yet. I don't have an answer. I'm working on it. But I was thinking about that in the zoo. Because there were some birds there that I, unbelievable, magnificent birds that I never saw before in my life. And I said, if I didn't go to the zoo, why did you create these birds? I would never see it. Okay, someone's, so there, someone in the Amazon sees it, some human being. Okay, but who sees it in the ocean? Everything is created, they are dumb. So I can understand, there's a, there's a bird in the Amazon, Rabbi Wallstein won't see, none of our Brooklyn guys are going to see it. But there's some pygmy, um, whatever over there, some guy that's living there, he's going to see it. But what's in the ocean? We're never going to see what's on the bottom of the ocean. So why, what's, why did I shouldn't put life on the bottom of the ocean? I don't have an answer. But, but to get back to the subject, so, so why, why does the mission say Mishchayim and Afshay? Amazing terrorists. The terrorist is like this. You have to look at the mission of what it says. The mission says two guys were walking and they were learning Torah. Now, if you're learning Torah and you stop learning Torah to say what a beautiful plow field this is, then you're a fool. Why? So my question first when I learned this mission many years ago, what's so beautiful about a plowed field? I mean, if the mission is going to give me an example of walking by something that's really beautiful, a plowed field is so beautiful, I don't think any of us would walk by a plowed field and say, wow, right? A lot of other things we'd walk by and say, wow, but not a plowed field. So why does the mission pick a plowed field? And why, why a tree? Why not a person with learning and they looked at the sun and they said, wow, God created something, comes up every morning, goes down every night, it, has, it warms the world, right? Looks at, at the sky, it's blue. Looks at clouds that give rain. Looks at dew, you know, from the sky. Why did, Hashem, why did the Mishnah pick these two things? And the answer is that a plowed field has an unbelievable potential. In other words, there's nothing growing on the field. It's just brown earth. When you walk by that, by that a person says to his friend, look at this field. It is ready to be planted. Tomatoes, maybe cucumbers, maybe wheat, maybe anything, right? So 
the, the potential of this field is amazing. The, the thing that gives the most in the world that grows is a tree. Everything else is a, is a one-sided thing. A tree gives shade, gives wood for fire, gives wood for building, gives fruit. So if you want to give an example of potential, right, a tree has amazing potential. So the mission is saying like this. These two guys are walking. And they're talking about, they're stopping from learning, and they're talking about potential. A field, wow, potential, anything can grow in this field. A tree, look at the potential of a, of a tree. If you're dropping Torah, if you're stopping to learn Torah, to talk about the potential of physical things, when you are in the middle of the greatest potential of the spiritual creation of the world, then you then you shouldn't have had a nefesh. Then why do you have a soul? If you, if you weren't learning, you guys were walking down the street on your way to the bank, and you said, what a beautiful tree, what a beautiful field. Bracha on you. Beautiful. Unbelievable. Make a bracha on the tree, the bracha that we make in Nisan. That's a beautiful thing, because the, the field has more of a potential than the bank. But if you're learning Torah, and you're in the greatest potential spiritually in the world, and you stop learning Torah, to say, whoa, check that out. Look at that car just drove by. Guys, everybody out of, out of, out of Seder. You gotta see this car that just pulled up in front of Yeshiva. That person's Mishayev and Nafshay. You're Mishayev to give back your Nefesh. What do you have a Nefesh for? You don't need a Nefesh to know, to look at the potential physical things. So that person's is Mishayev and Nafshay. A person who gives up Torah, who gives up learning to talk about the potential of physical things, and he stops learning for that, that person's in big trouble. And that's why you have to be very careful that when you're learning, you don't let anything disturb you. You turn off your phone for that hour, whatever you're doing. Because if you walk away from that learning, what you're saying is that that physical thing, whatever it is, that's drawing you out of learning, that's more important. And that person is the Chayib and Then you don't understand what you're doing. You don't understand the potential of learning. Potential of learning is, is to reach the Kisei HaKavoy. Potential of a field is to give you grapes or, or, or potatoes or tomatoes. But that's not in a comparison with the potential of learning. So that's what that mission is saying over there. So you have to know the difference. To stop learning, to look at the trees that are blossoming, that a person is not allowed to do. But if you're not learning, then you talk, have to appreciate what Hashem created. A person has to appreciate that. And that's why we're in this world. That's why Hashem makes things in this world. That we should appreciate it, but not by learning and not by davening. By learning by davening, that's time to turn your phone off. Okay. Anyway, that's what I got in Six Flags. What should I tell you? Then, two more lessons I got this Cholomite. So we went to the zoo, Central Park Zoo, and my grandson got lost for about two minutes. Maybe, th- well, maybe a little bit more, but we realized we didn't have him, right? It took us two minutes to find him, but we didn't realize. Now, when, when we, when we found him, he was hysterically crying. And I, I don't think that you could, that anyone here could imagine, unless you were ever lost, I was once lost, that, that when you turn around and your parents aren't there, it's like total panic. It's like the world's over. It's like over because you feel like you're never going to find your parents. And that, that feeling is so scary and you feel very isolated. You feel very alone and you feel very lost. And my, um, my daughter right away grabbed my grandson, of course, and he had to calm down. He was crying, crying, crying. So I said to myself, he's too young to say, but we have to tell everyone in Kleistral that no, no, no matter what, HaKadosh Baruch never loses you. No matter what. Even if you think that, that you're lost, you can't be lost. 
because the chenveni, the the the, the Mishnah says the not the chenveni, but the owner of the world, which we're going to talk about, Hakadosh Baruch Hu, he will never lose one of his children. So when people are in despair and they're depressed and they need to turn to other things to get out of depression, maybe one of the reasons that they're depressed and they're in this state of mind is because they feel that daddy's not around and mommy's not around and you just left me in this world and I don't have anybody. And all of a sudden, I'm walking and I'm walking and I look up and everything's strange around me and daddy and mommy are not here and that's, that's panic time. A person has to know, right? I wanted to tell it to my grandson, just wasn't the right time and he's a little bit young, to tell him that you're never alone. A person has to know that in this world you are never alone. You always have your father next to you. Maybe not your physical father, but a Baruch Hu doesn't lose his kids. Ever. Ever, ever, ever. So you never have to go into that panic mode. You have to be on that level that you know that a Baruch Hu is next to you. And that he's there. And that will bring us into Sphira. Because that's what we're going to be doing for the next 49 days. We're going to try to build ourselves up to Machos Machus, Where we reach that level that we know that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is always there. And then I went to watch the fish. And I got a lesson from the fish too. You have to think. You're not just you're not a shaita. Go around like the rest of the people and stick your nose in the fish tank in the aquarium and look at some stupid fish looking at you saying, why are these human beings, you know, we're the stupid ones. They're in the water. Why are they out of the water? You know, get in here with me. They don't understand, right? So what, 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 what do you get when you go to the aquarium? You see all these fish locked up in these glass things, you know, bumping into the glass the whole time. And all these silly people watching them bump into the glass the whole time. So you got to come out of the uh, New York Aquarium with something, guys, right? So I came out with something big. And it wasn't a whale. <laughs> I came up with this thought. And I used it today. I met a boy today who decided he's gone. 11th grade yeshiva. He's out of there. He's going to public school. He's had it. Done. Finished. Have a nice day. Not from a, from a good yeshiva. He just decided... Yalla, I'm finished. I'm done. I can get, I'm going to finish 12th grade. I'm going to get my, my, my diploma. I'm going to go to college. I'm going to make it, Rabbi. What do I need yeshiva for? From, Mama's from 60 to 0. From learning in a real yeshiva to walking out. And Baruch Hashem, Baruch Hashem, I had the answer to him. I said, I'll tell you what. You got to go with me tomorrow to the New York Aquarium. He says, what are you talking about? I'm like, I'll tell you what I came up with from the New York Aquarium. So there's these things called fish. And they live in the water. Everything else in the world, everything but fish, live in the air. For some reason, God made fish to live in the water. Birds, bugs, insects, everything is air. I don't know, earthworms maybe in the ground. I don't know exactly how they get the air. Whatever. You'll, I'll get emails. People will send me emails how they get the air. But the whole world... The whole world lives in air, except fish. Fish live in water. My high. Everyone ever think of that? Why? Why fish live in water? I thought to myself like this. Again, I'm using the word idol worshippers instead of right, whatever. For the guys who were here a few weeks ago, I don't want because there are people that listen in, so we're using idol worshippers as yeah. Okay. So no idol worshippers. That's not a word that they enjoy. So. Heathens? No. Okay, anyway. Um, listen carefully. So this is what I told this boy today. I said, God created fish. Fish live in the water. Human beings, we can't live in the water. When we go into the water, we need scuba gear. 
We need a tank, a snorkel, you know, in your face over there, all the things sticking out. We need air. Now, any person that goes into the water, and there have been some in the past, right, and says, I'm not going with a snorkel, I'm not going with my scuba gear, I'm going to be like a fish, he's dead. He's going to drown, he's a fool, he's silly, doesn't make any sense. Because he's not a fish, right? Unless he's doing some real good stuff and he thinks he's a fish. He's not a fish. He's definitely not a fish. Okay. Now, so I said like this. The idol worshippers, they're the fish. They're the fish. They were created with the ability to live in this world like fish live in water. They don't need an oxygen tank. They can live in the schmutz, in the filth, in the dirt, eat chazer. Oh my goodness, I saw a chazer in the zoo. Oh my goodness, how does a person eat such a thing? It is the most disgusting, ugly, excuse me, and you know, you know, it is so, my, and, and it's funny because my grandson right, is screaming across the whole zoo. That pig isn't kosher. You can't eat it. Like all the time, I'm like, shh, shh. This is not, you know, this is not like a Jewish zoo, a biblical zoo in Israel. Like, you know, whatever it is. And I took a look at this animal. You know, I, I don't really allow to look at this animal. How do they eat that thing, right? Whatever. But it's like, so they can eat it, and they can eat shrimp, and they can eat oysters, and they can eat crabs, and they can eat lobsters that look like big roaches in a fish tank. They can eat them. And they can boil them alive, and they can crack off pieces. They can open up oysters, right? They can eat all this stuff. No sweat. And me, right? The Torah tells me that I can't eat oysters and shrimp and all these things. Why not? And the answer is, because I'm not a fish. I'm a human being. And for me to live in this world, I need scuba gear. I need a tank. And what's that tank? That's Torah. And that's mitzvahs. So I said to this kid, listen, you want to go into the ocean? You want to go into the ocean with all the idol worshippers, right? And you want to live in public school with all these kids. And you want to remove your, your air tank and your scuba gear. You're going to die. Your neshama is going to die. Because your neshama, you're not a fish. You're not made out of the same thing. Your neshama needs air. The air that the neshama needs, Torah is, is chayim, is life. So you can go to public school, and you can live their life, and you can eat chazer. But your, your neshama is going to die, because you can't live in water without air. Because that's how Hashem created us. And therefore, every single person in this room, and every Jewish boy and girl, you are created with an oxygen tank. Before you came into this world, they put an oxygen tank inside you. And that's called a neshama. And the rest of the world doesn't have a neshama. Because they're fish living in the ocean. And we never have to live in the same ocean. We don't have a choice. When Mashiach comes, there is no more ocean. Everybody's on land. But right now, in this world, we live in Gullus. Gullus is the ocean. Ah, you want to live in Gullus? There's only one way you can live in Gullus. That's if you put your oxygen tank on. What's your oxygen tank? Your oxygen tank is learning Torah and doing mitzvahs. You want to take that off? You could take that off. The human being could take that off. But you're going to drown. Your neshama is going to die. It's going to die. And it's going to come up to the next world and it's going to have kares. Kares means that it's cut off. Lahavdu, 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 elaf avdalois. 
when I was not such a good kid a long time ago. When I was a young little boy, there was a thing called James Bond. I don't know if he's still alive, but there was a thing called James Bond. And there was a famous story where they had the good divers under the ocean against the bad divers. And how did the bad divers kill the good divers? And how did the good divers kill the bad divers? They ripped the air hose from the tank that was connected from the tank to the guy's mouthpiece. They didn't have to stab him or kill him or shoot him. They just ripped that hose off. And once they ripped the hose off, the person had no more air, and he died. So the Sahara, the Satan, he doesn't have to take the tank off. He doesn't have to take Yunushama away from you. What he needs to do is disconnect the mouthpiece from the Nishama. So what he does is he tries to rip away the hose, which is your earflow. What is your earflow? That's your Torah and your mitzvahs. So anybody who thinks that you can be a good Jew without learning Torah, so you have a, a nice tank on your back and a nice mouthpiece, but they're not connected. The air that comes from your tank, that goes to your mouth, that keeps your neshama alive, that's learning Torah. And the Yitzhahara is very busy trying to get, to pull it, to disconnect it, and then that's, that's his objective. And then when you start to get disconnected, then you can't breathe, and you start to flail around, and you start to choke, and you don't know what to do, and you're very, very lost. And sometimes you have a good chaver next to you, that also has a tank. And anyone who ever took scuba diving knows that many times there's an emergency when you go scuba diving and they think your tank was full and your tank is empty. And don't ask me how I know this stuff. And the thing that you learn, how to shear one tank for two people. Where one guy takes a breath, he holds it, he gives it to the next guy, takes a breath, he holds it, he gives it to the next guy. So if you have a friend who's not learning, who's not part of Yiddishkeit, but you are and you're doing the right thing, so you need to share your tank with him. You need to tell him, how about coming to my house 20 minutes a day? How about, I'll take you to davening, I'll pick you up. So, get him to the surface, so get a new tank in Mitzvah Hashem. But you can share your tank with him. That's part of helping another person. Don't just, you know, sit there, I got enough air, so he's flailing, the guy next to me is dying. He's choking to death. You can give him from your tank. You can't give him your whole tank. Give him your whole tank, you're not going to live. It's very, very important. And, and I got this from a, from a, a fish tank. What should I tell you? But, but this is what I told this kid today. And guess what? He went back to yeshiva today. He got on the bus and he went back to yeshiva. And just this muscle, which came to me only because I'm a little bit of, a little bit out of the box, a lot out of the box. But you can learn something from everything. You can learn from fish. You can learn from everything. So the fish are looking at you and saying, "What's going on out there?" And you're looking at, at the fish and you're saying. Like, what's going on in there? I'd much rather be out here than be in there. And you know what? The end of the lesson is that if the, if the idol worshiper is the fish and the Klai is the is the human, so you tell me who has more freedom. You tell me who has a better life, a fish <laughs> or a human being. A human being sees more. We can think. We have so much more. We have so much to give. We have so much to add to the world. We have such a fantastic example to show, and it's so important. I mean, in the park, I'm not saying anything. There were some kids that were such a kiddush Hashem. They, you know, they got out of, there were kids that were cutting the line. I was, I was dying. I was dying. Can't cut the line in New England. In Jersey, they may understand, you know. But in New England, these people don't understand. You can't cut the line. 
And you can't take your food and throw it on the floor. And you can't take your wrappers and throw it on the floor. When we're between the, between the Goyim, we have to make a Kiddush Hashem. We have to act above the normal when you're out in public. I'm hoping that everyone, I'm sure that everyone here was out and in Cholamoy, whatever it is, you have to be very mocked because we are the human beings in the world. We are the ones that have to show the whole world how to live and how to breathe and how to act. Chas v'shalom, not vice versa. Okay. So those are my three lessons. The flags, lost in the park, and the fish in the water and the scuba tanks. Okay. Now let's get to the shear. <laughs> All right. That only took 25 minutes. All right. No. Sphira. Let's talk about Sphira. So, Sphira is like this. Where's my sitter? We have 49 days. Why do we need 49 days? Okay, so the first question, which, which I discussed, I know I discussed last year, maybe two years ago, which is very important, is why do we start Sphira with today's the first day, the second day, third day, fourth day, fifth day, right? We all know growing up that when you launch a rocket, and when you're excited about something, it's 49, 48, 47, 46, 10, 9, who doesn't know that? 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, blast off. Right? So, why don't we start Pesach? 49 days left to Mount Torah, 48 days left to Mount Torah, 5 days left to Mount Torah, 3 days left to Mount Torah, 2 days, 1 day, Mount Torah! Instead of 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 2, you get to 49. So the question is, when you're excited about something, you count down. Not up. Up is tedious. One, two, right? I'll give you a perfect example. Steps. Right? If I tell you, listen, you're on the seventh floor. Oh, man. Seventh floor? How many steps is that? Ninety. Now, if you start at the bottom step counting, one, two, three, when you get to 45, you're like, oh, my God, I'm only up to 45. Psychologically, if you start with 90, 80, 70, 60, 50, 45. I did 45 already. You're looking at what you did already, not what you're going to have to do. And you're going to fly up those steps. So when you count down, it's more exciting. It's more accomplished. When you count up, it's, oh my God, I got another 45 steps. When you count down, it's, I did 45 steps. So why don't we count down when we do Sphira? Why do we count up? Right? It's very important. And the answer is very, very, very beautiful. Because what do we get at the end of the 49 days? What do we get at the end of the, of the 49 days? We get the Torah. Right? The prize, let's say. So now, if I told all you guys in this room, in 49 days, every guy in this room, this is not true, by the way. I'm not making that there, so this is not true. But in 49 days, every guy in this room, is getting one million dollars in hundred dollar bills cash. Now, that's pretty exciting. Some guys here don't care because they have like hundreds of billions of dollars. It doesn't matter. Some guys don't want the Yitzhahara of having all that money. They're like, no, no, no. Keep, give it to Tzedakah. I don't want it. Right? Some guys are like, hey, Rebbe, I'll be here in 49 days. Now, what happens if I tell you in 49 days you're going to get the million dollars? These next 49 days are a stumbling block to the million dollars. In other words, oh man, we're getting a million dollars in 49 days. But every single day until then is in my way. It's in my way. First day, the second day, the third day, the fourth day, the fifth day, every single day is in my way. Therefore, those days that I'm counting 
They're in my way. 49 days, they're in my way. But, if I told you that every single day, I'm not giving you a million dollars in 49 days. I'm giving you $10,000, $20,000 a day for 50 days. Right? So at the end of 50 days, you're going to have a million dollars. Now, those days are not in your way. Those days are making the million. Every day you're making $20,000. So you need each day to make the million. So you're very excited every day. Today I have 20000 Now I have 40000 Now I have 60000 Not, oh my God, it's another 47 days till I get that million. Who knows what's going to happen in between? Who knows if I'm going to live that long? But if you died on the second day, you made forty grand. All right, I'll go to your kids. Whatever it is, but you, you made forty grand. You still made forty grand. But if it's going to be a million dollars in fifty days, and you die on the forty-eighth day, you get nothing. You have nothing. So this is very important because svira, svira, you can't get to Martin Torah unless you every single day get one midah. And therefore, you can't go from Pesach and then show up Shavuos night and say, I'm ready for the Torah. Every single day you have to do 149th. You have to make a deposit in the bank of 149th. Now, what are, what are, the, what are the things that we do? So we have 49 different combinations, right? The first day is Chesed Shebe Chesed. The next day is Dvur Shebe Chesed. So there are, there are seven things. There are seven things that a person has to be Kona in 49 different, um, putting it together from Pesach until Shavuos, or you don't get the whole million dollars, but if you just do the first day, which is Chesed Shebechesed, and then you stop, you have Chesed Shebechesed. And the second day, if you do Gevur Shebechesed, you have Chesed Shebechesed and Gevur Shebechesed. Even though you stopped and you only did two days, you now have two things. That's why Svira is accounting up. Because instead of every day being in your way, every day is a deposit. Now, what are these seven things that we're supposed to do in the next 49 days in order to get to the level on Shavuos that we need to be? So Chesed is, we know what Chesed is, right? Kindness. These are seven midos of God, by the way. So, when we stand on the, when, which I'm going to explain to you, when we stand on the 49th day, on the 50th day, on Sinai by, by Matan Torah, we are on the highest level. We are like Malachim. We were like Malachim. We had, we had two Kisarim, we had two crowns, plus no death anymore. Death was taken out of the world until we did the Egel. So we were on the level of Adam Arishon, the highest level that was possible. But it takes 49 steps. But if you don't make it to the 49th step, whatever step you took, it's not like the steps in the stairway. Whatever step you took, Whatever is a deposit. So there, there are there are seven midos that are mixed together. One is chesed, which is kindness, which everybody can work on. To work on your kindness, on, on during the during these seven weeks, you can work on being kinder to people. You're in a bad mood. You don't want to give a guy a ride. That lady that's sitting out there in seducer barking at you. You don't want to give her the dollar. You're not in the mood to give it to her. You're not in a good mood. You have to work on your chesed. You have to break yourself. And you have to give it to her anyway. This morning I had that test. I took a piece of paper. I was mill davening. This guy annoys me. And I'm mill davening. And he sticks a piece of paper for Sadaka right in my face. Like, in between my face and my sitter. Like, hello? And I think I was like in the middle of Kriya I'm like, I am not giving this man a dollar. 
I mean, get out of here. I wasn't going to read it, whatever it is. And he holds it there. It's like, it's like, get the message. I'm not reaching for my pocket. And he's just leaving it there like that. And I'm davening. Finally, he took it away. This guy ain't getting a dime. Right? Okay, I finished davening. I come, I'm going up the stairs out of Landau's. He's standing there. He's not even asking. He doesn't, they don't, he goes over to everyone. They don't know who they want, whatever it is. He's not even asking me for money. He's just standing there, I guess, waiting, whatever it is. And I'm like, I don't want to give, I want to tell him what I think, first of all. I'm not giving this guy one penny. And then I said to myself, hey, if you give him a dollar now without him even asking, you're breaking your Yetzirah to, you know, that you, you don't like this guy because he does this all the time. He sticks this in your face, right? And I'm like, I, Baruch Hashem, don't have to do what he's doing. And I gave him a dollar. And I'm not trying to tell you I'm a tzaddik, but I broke it. You know what that is? You know what that is? Gevura Shebechesed. That's the second. That's the second day. That's not Chesed Shebechesed. That Chesed Shebechesed meant it didn't bother me, and he could stick it in my face. He could smack me. He could spit in my face, and I am pure Chesed. I will give it to him anyway. That's Chesed Shebechesed. Uh uh That's not what happened this morning. I had to go to day number two. Gevura. It was a fight. I had to overcome my feelings. I was agitated. I mean, really, I can get agitated. I was agitated. This guy stuck that there and he just left it there, right? He didn't even ask me now. So it wasn't like, Hashem, he asked me and I said no. I could have walked right by him and not given him. I went and I fought myself to give it to him. And it didn't hurt so much to give him a dollar. And if he sticks the paper in front of me tomorrow, we'll see what happens. But, but, <laughs> that is, that's Gevura Shebechesed. The third thing is called Teferes. Teferes is glory. You know what glory is? The difference between glory and beauty, beauty, which we're going to get to, is inside a person. Glory is outside. Like, God's glory in the world is Niagara Falls, trees with flowers, flowers, the beauty of the world, the sun, that's Hashem's glory. Hashem's glory. Okay? You can do glory in chesed too. You can do chesed, give the guy a dollar. You can do chesed, give the guy a dollar and take him for breakfast. You can get, do the, give the guy a dollar and say, how are you? And have a good day. And how's everything? You can glorify the chesed. You can make it something glorious, not something that's looked down upon. Like, I have to do. My mother asked me, I have to do this for her. You can glorify and say, Ma, for you I'll do anything. Yeah, yeah. You can glorify your chesed. That's Tiferes Shebech Chesed. Netzach is eternity. God is eternal. It's forever. You know what's an eternal chesed? Someone here in this crowd, let's see. We're going to have a little interaction tonight. I know I never do that. Someone give me a Netzach Shebech Etern- an eternal chesed. That's a chesed shall MS. Right, right. What's, what? Okay, giving someone, doing a mitzvah, getting someone to do a mitzvah, that's his forever. That's eternity. Much easier. What? Um, okay, that goes under mitzvah. That all, that's all under giving, doing someone a mitzvah. Are you ready? Ready for the easy one? A smile. It's eternal. 
When someone someone needs your help and you give them a smile, that feeling that they have from that smile, you guys went into all the hard stuff. Very easy stuff. A silly little real smile. A hug. A smile. A good word. You could change a person's life. A person's life. I haven't said this story, wow, probably in five, six years. But this story just coming to my mind, because I remember when I heard it, this story was said by Rav Chadron. So I know this is like five years. That's when I was telling over his stories. Chadron tells a story about a boy, a boy in Panovich. Not a boy in Panovich, about a guy in Switzerland who invited a Rav in Eretz to a wedding, sent him an invitation from Switzerland with a business class ticket to come to Switzerland, to stay in the hotel for the wedding for a few days, and a return ticket to Eretz Yisrael. He, with, with his wife. This rabbi opens up this, this envelope. He's got an invitation to some man he never heard of in his life. With plane tickets, hotel reservations, for him and his wife to come to this wedding. He looks at it, he looks at it. He don't know this person. He thinks to himself, they, they made a big mistake. They sent it to the wrong rabbi, maybe the same name. So... He has a return address over there, whatever it is. And he writes back a letter and he says, sends back the, sends back the, um, the tickets, sends back the invitation. Says, I think you sent it to the wrong Rabbi Schwartz in Israel, whatever it is. Uh, you know, I would love to come to your wedding, but I don't think you, you, you really met me. Sent it back. Gets a phone call a week later from this man in Switzerland. And he says, no, you're the right Rabbi Schwartz. I tracked you down. And I want you to come with your wife, and the tickets were for you, and the hotel room was for you. What's the story? What's the story? So he says like this, that he was a young boy, this guy from Switzerland, who's now marrying off his daughter. When he was a young boy, this Rev. Shradwan said over. So his parents lived in Switzerland. They sent him to Panovich. Sent him to Panovich in Bnei Brak. He didn't speak Hebrew. He, didn't, he spoke Schweiz. He spoke uh, the, the Swiss language. He didn't speak Hebrew. He didn't know anybody in Panovich at all. He didn't know anybody. He said, he wrote home to his father in those days. He wrote a letter to his father. He says, listen, I can't stay here anymore. I want, his father was a rich man. I want to come back to Switzerland. I want to work for you. In those days, learning wasn't, you know, wasn't like it is to, you know, that everyone has to learn or whatever. He says, I'm very uncomfortable. I don't understand the language. Nobody befriended me. I have no friends. Nobody really cares about me. They don't even know I'm here. I'm a bump on a log. And I, I want to come home. And his father sent him tickets to come home, let's say, June 15th. He said, on June 13th, I was walking down the hall, and you, this rabbi, came over to me and said, you look very depressed. You look very down. What's going on with you? And you gave me a hug. And you said, you want to see my room? And... I didn't know anyone in my room, and you let me move into your room, even though you were much older than me at the time. You let me move into your room, and I was two days away from leaving Panovich, from going and never learning another word. He says, I ended up staying in Panovich for 10 years because you gave me that hug and moved me into your room. And I became a rub of the city in Switzerland, and I know that it would have been nobody and nothing had that, had that, had you not gave me those couple of moments that day. I was gone two days later. And therefore, I want you by my daughter's wedding. I never dreamt. There was some bucker. He gave him a hug. He told him to come to my room. 
He started talking to him a little bit. He never dreamt that that moment that this kid was already on his way out two days later leaving. So what's eternal? A smile. How are you? What's doing? You could save and turn. I hope the person could be on their way. To, could they may have written the suicide note already. They might have written the suicide. They're out of here tonight. They're over. They're going off the bridge. And some guy that day said, hey, looks like something's bothering you. You want to go for a walk? You want to go for a talk? And you'll never, ever know. Nobody will ever know what he was going to do that night. Or you spoke to this guy and he was going to do the biggest avera that night. And because you spoke to him, that's eternal. Eternal is a smile. Eternal, eternal is caring. That is Netzach Shebechesed. Hyde Shebechesed. Hyde is inner beauty. The difference between glory, glo- what a glorious, beautiful morning. What a glorious, majestic, uh, what's it called? Castle. Hyde, which is a very deep word, we'll talk about it a little bit further next week. Hyde is the inner beauty of the Jewish nation. Hyde is the inner beauty, the beauty that you don't see outside. The inner beauty of a person. Chesed, the real Chesed comes from Drama Yitzim and Alev, comes from, from inner beauty. And, 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 and some people can see it. Some people can meet somebody and know right away that that person's beautiful inside or that person's rotten inside. So there's a certain inner beauty in a person that anyone who deals with people can sense that inner beauty. It doesn't matter girl or boy or what you look like, handsome or pretty. It has nothing to do with that. It is much deeper and it's much stronger and it's much more important. Inner beauty. Hoyt is inner beauty. Understanding the inner beauty of God, we can understand, even the Goyim can understand. Lightning, thunder, today they had tornadoes in, 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 in whatever, in Virginia, wherever it was, 150 mile hour winds uprooting trees and the people are like, the amazing, I, I, I love the, I don't love the ASR, but he's so brilliant. Quote, unquote, from today. So what do you have to say about these tornadoes? Amazing to see the force of nature. I thought they would say amazing to see the force of God. They got rid of God in one word. Nature. Boom. Goodbye. Hashem's like, okay, let me, let me wake these people. Let, let me wake some, some of these people up. 160 mile an hour wind from nothing, right? Uproots trees and houses and, and cars like their little paper. New. So now we see Hashem. Okay. Okay. Uh, hello. You flexed a little bit. We got the message. We're going to do tshuva, right? Nature. Shalom Aleichem. Nature. That was the quote. I was like, I was hanging because I was like, the awesome power of God. Yeah. I can get up and speak about that tonight. The awesome power of God. The awesome power. There's a woman. Of nature. I'm like, feh. <laughs> feh. But that's, that's, that's the power of the Yetzirah. Everything's nature. Well, that's, that's hoid is to see the inner beauty of God, the inner beauty of the world. Not the great tornadoes and the, and, and the, and the what's it called? The Gedalim have never gone to Niagara Falls. They don't need to see the seventh wonder or all other seven wonders or eight wonders, whatever wonders of the world. They don't need to see it. They see it in the Hoyd. They see it in the beauty of a human being, of a mind, of an eye, of an ear, of, of, of God's kindness, of air that you can breathe, of warmth, of the sun. They don't have to go to Niagara Falls on a bus to see the awesome power of nature and go on the ladies, lady of mist and misty lady and, and have all the water and say, wow, there must be a God in the world because Gvura. No. They see the Hoyd. They don't need to see that. They sit and they learn Torah in their base Madrash and they see the beauty of the mind of God, of the Torah. 
That's height. That's even a, a higher level. And then comes Yisoyed. Yisoyed is the foundation of Chesed. The foundation of the world. What does the world stand on? What's the foundation? Learning Torah, davening, and doing good things. And then, of course, the last and the highest level is Malchus. Royalty. That every boy is sitting in this room is a prince. Is a prince. We're royal. We're the sons of the kings. We're the daughters of the, the daughters of the king and the sons of the kings. Malchus Shiba Malchus. You can't get to Malchus Shiba Malchus unless you understand Chesed, Gevura, Teferes, Netzach, Choy, Yisoy, Tomalchus. That takes 49 days, boys. There's many different, there's Chesed, there's Gevura Shiba Chesed and there's Chesed Shiba Gevura. And I don't have time tonight to go through it. What's the difference between Gevura Shiba Chesed and Chesed Shiba Gevura? They're the opposite of each other. Chesed, the, what we said over here, Gevura Shebe Chesed, means the strength, right, to do good, to, to do favors. Chesed Shebe Gevura is that in your strength to have pity. The opposite. That in other words, I have Gevura, and I want to take you down, and I want to let you have it, and in that I have Chesed. Chesed Shebe Gevura and Gevura Shebe Chesed are two different animals, two totally Totally, and each one of these combinations is another day. And if you do all 49 days, then you get to a level where a person can hit Malchus Shiba Malchus. So, what do we need to do in Svira? And I'll tell you what we need to do. So, you tell me, Rabbi Lassi, what do you want for my life? I had a great Pesach. I went and had my Seder, like you said. And I had that chipazon and that moment and, 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 and a revelation and I felt God and the matzah and the komon and the abakosos and the haggadah and I was on such a high and, and then Kriyas Yamsuf on the seventh day, Kriyas Yamsuf, I was mamish there. It was amazing. So what, what, why can't I go straight from there and, 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 and go straight to, uh, to, to Shavuos? Had a choice, water or coke? You know what I picked. Okay. Coke is it. Anyway. So, Coca-Cola soda. Yeah. Anyway. So, be careful. I'm on, I'm on tape. So, yeah. They're going to send me a check. Sure. Coca-Cola. All right. So, anyway. So, so, so why do we need these 49 days? So, the answer is like this. There's a Gemara. The Gemara says a story about a woman who had a child. And she gave it a bris in the eighth day, and the child died. She had a second child, she gave it a bris, and the child died. The third, the third time, right, we know the, if the child dies the third time, you're not allowed to give the rest of the children the hemophiliacs. They bleed to death. You're not allowed to give them um, any more, you're not allowed to give those children any more bris. But she came to the, she came to, on, to the, in the Gemara, she came on the third time. And she showed it to the Tana, I think it was the Tana, and she said, what do I do? Let me see if I have it written down. Yeah. So he answered and he said to her the following. He looked at the baby, says the Gemara, and the baby was very red. Very red, all the skin was red, the face was red. So he told her, Himtum la, wait, until the blood, until his blood gets absorbed into his body. In other words, he was born with the right amount of blood, right? He was born with the right amount of blood, but it wasn't absorbed into his body. If you do the brismila, and it's not absorbed into each organ, so he's going to bleed out. He's going to die. That's why the other two died. So what he was telling her 
is you can't give the baby a bris on the eighth day. Let the blood get absorbed into the organs, the kidney, the liver, the heart, wherever it has to get into all the organs. Then the blood from the bris, which is only absorbed in the, in the skin, right? That's all that's going to bleed. Because if each organ has its blood, the kidney has its blood, everything has its blood, then it's only going to bleed from that piece of skin that he's cutting off. That's all that's going to bleed. His kidney blood is not going to go out over there, right? It's already, it's whole, it's in the organ. So he was smart enough to tell her, you have to wait, you can't do the bris. The Gemara says, she waited, the blood was absorbed into all the organs, and it doesn't say how long it took, she did the bris mila, and the third child lived. So the Gemara says, what's this story all about? This story is all about Svira and Pesach, and what this is, what I'm talking about today. What happened on Pesach, it's a little bit Kabbalah, whatever it is, but I'm going to try, I'm going to, try to, I'm not going to talk in the Zoya's words, we try to bring it down to very understandable level. What happened Pesach night, we did not deserve. What happened Pesach night was, like I said, was a moment where Hashem gave us all 49 combinations. Everything that you're going to have in the next 49 days, that you're going to say every single night, Svira, every guy in this room, you had all 49 combinations sitting by your Seder. Bang! Everything. Freebie. You didn't earn it. You didn't walk it. You didn't do nothing for it. You got it as a present. You're the kala. The chassan gave you a big present. Forty-nine different pieces of takshitin, of jewelry. He put on you forty-nine rings and necklaces and earrings. One was a gavur shabachesed was in this ear, and hoi shabachesed was in this ear, and malchus shabachesed was on your wrist. He gave you forty-nine combinations of the most beautiful combinations for a neshama in this world that could be. And then, the next night you had to start counting. What happened? Your neshama got all 49. But what, like the Gemara says, you didn't absorb it yet. It's going to take you 49 days to absorb it. And every single day, this is what he says about Sphira. Listen carefully. And that's why he says, we don't understand what Sphira is. It is so big. First of all, you should just know that Sphira, all 49 days of Sphira is a very big kapara. It's brought down in B'nai Sascha. It's brought down in the Kavayasha. Very big kapara for the boy Avera. These 49 days. Maybe bigger than Shavavim. It's very big, these 49 days, to, for kapara for that Avera. I don't have to explain to you what that Avera is. It's a very... Boys are very, you figure out what a boys are very is. Okay? The boy, a, you, the boy, a young boys are very, we'll call it. That avera, the 49 days, is a very big kapara. You have, in your neshama, from Pesach night, every guy in this room, every Jew, Rav Shimshim Pinky says this, he's like screaming. You have 49 combinations in your neshama. Your job in the next 49 days is to absorb it is to absorb all these 49. And if you absorb all these 49, what happens on the 50th day? It becomes what? What do we say on the 50th day? Na'aseh v'nishma. Na'aseh means to become. Nishma means to listen. Now listen carefully. In the world that we live in, you listen, then you absorb. You listen... What my speech tonight, if you want, if you're listening, you can absorb it. If you don't listen, you can't absorb it. So in this world that we know, in the physical world, you listen, right? Nishma, you listen, then Nasa, you absorb. 
But since HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave us Pesach night, all 49, so it's already in us, if we absorb it by the last night, by Shavuot's night, it's Naseh. Benishma. It's absorbed. And then comes the listening. It's already on a much higher level, which is a Malchus Shabbat Malchus level. Because Malchus Shabbat Malchus is already at a level where it's Naseh Benishma. It becomes you. That's what Naseh means. Becomes you. It is made. You are made. You are done. You are finished. You are, you're a made product. Those 49. But if you don't let it absorb, then you're this kid with all this blood. You didn't absorb it. One little cut and you bleed out. So a person of these 49 days that we have coming up, it's not 49 anymore, but I don't want to count through because then I can't make a bracha tonight. It's not 49. But however many days are left, it's your job to absorb what Hashem gave you because if you don't absorb it, you know what's going to happen? It's not going to become part of you. Then in the slightest cut, you're going to bleed to death. The slightest of is going to come along and it's all going to come out because you don't have it. It's not, it's not you. It's, 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 it's not part of you. It's like, it's like a cow that you milk. Right? The milk is not part of the cow. Because if it was, we couldn't eat the cow. It's two separate entities. Because the milk is not absorbed into the body of the cow or you wouldn't be able to eat it. It's a separate entity. So, you could have this big sack of milk, right? It's in the same cow. It's not part of the cow. It's a separate thing. Totally. You could eat the cow. You could have a present that you got, Pesach night, 49 things, this guy, Baal Chesed, Gvura, strength to fight the eight Sahara. Beauty. Everyone in this room got a present that you're beautiful inside. Every guy in here is beautiful inside. Every guy in here is strong inside. Every guy here has a chesed inside. Every guy is a king. Every guy is a foundation. Everyone's glorious. So you're going to say to me, Rabbi Wallerstein, what are you talking about? I went through spheres so many times and I'm, I don't have any of this. I'm not glorious. I'm not beautiful. I'm not about chesed. And the answer is, because you never absorbed it. It's the milk on the cow. It's a separate entity. It's not you. You can go and daven. You can go and learn. If you're looking at your cell phone the whole time, then, then you're davening, but you're not absorbing what you're doing. It's your two separate entities. You're davening and you are totally two separate entities. When there's a person, a person who davens, the big tzaddikim who were able to go up and change the whole world, they were their davening. They absorbed it. They were tefillah. They were tyra. Like my Rebbe used to say, I want you to become a shtick tyra, he used to tell me. I want, what do you mean a shtick tyra? I want you to become a shtick tyra. I want you to be a, be a walking safe tyra. What do you mean you want me to be a walking safe tyra? You should, they should hang me walking, <laughs> you know, do hagman galila on me. Like, what, what does that mean? You want me to put words on my head? He says, no, you have to become one with it. You have to absorb it. That's what Gemara is saying. He said, you got to wait till the blood gets into the body. Until then, don't do a bris. Because if you're going to cut him before that, he's going to bleed out. That's what we're standing in. That's what my shear is about tonight. That's my whole shear. Besides the fish and everything else I told you. <laughs> is that you now have however many days left to Shavuos. You, everyone here has all those things. You need to take it inside. You need to internalize it. You need to make it part of you so that when you come Shavuos night and we stay up a whole night and learn, right? I'll tell you, I'll tell you who absorbed it and who didn't absorb it. So I stay up Baruch Hashem Shavuos night and learn. And look at the guys who are learning. You're going to see a bunch of kids, some people learning, and half the night they're outside here drinking coffee or smoking because it's Shavuos, it's Yantav. They'll be smoking, drinking coffee. They just want to get through the night. 
Oh, it's 3 o'clock, and let's go get us some coffee. It's 3.30, let's get a cookie. Right? <laughs> oh, it's, it's a quarter after 5, let's get ready for davening. And they could turn around and say the next morning, I stayed up a whole night. You did nothing. Because you didn't absorb it. So, so to you, it's two different entities. Learning a whole night, and you are two different entities. So I got to get through it. I got to get through it, but it's not me. Then you'll see guys learning through this night, that if, that if the night was another five hours... Right? They'll be learning the next the other five hours. They're sitting there and they're learning and they're screaming at each other and they don't even look at the watch and they don't even know there's coffee. And they don't need to walk outside. Oh, I'm so tired. I can't keep my eyes open. Right? So I need to go for a walk. You go outside, twist night, you see hundreds of guys walking up and down the block. Right? Those same guys, they go to a movie, they walk out in the middle of the movie. Hold the movie. I got to go for I'm falling asleep. I got to go, go for a walk. They're sitting there. Ah, ooh, wow, whoa, oh my gosh, shoo. So they're one with the movie. They're not walking around, right? They're not walking around. Lahavdul gamblers in Atlantic City, they're up a whole night. <laughs> no problem. They're up a whole night. I had a friend that used to, he used to have to go to the bathroom every 20 minutes. I could never travel with this guy anywhere. Every 20 minutes, bathroom. Another 20 minutes, bathroom. He has, whatever, he has, he has a problem. He has to go to the bathroom every 20, 25 minutes. Well, guess what? In Atlantic City, he could sit by the table for eight hours without having to go to the bathroom. Why? Because he's, he's in the game. He doesn't even know he has to go to the bathroom. He's a card. He's a card. He's not a human. Cards don't go to the bathroom. So why does he have to go to the bathroom? He's chips and a card. Chips don't go to the bathroom. But sitting and learning, every 10 minutes, every 15 minutes, I, I got to go. I'll be back in 10 minutes, I got to go. That's the difference between internalizing and externalizing. So, Shavuos night, you know who, who took the 49 steps. The guy that's walking around Shavuos night, <laughs> I got to wash my face. And every 10 minutes, he's washing his face. He's got smelling salts. He's thinking it's him kipper. He's walking outside. He can't sit for two minutes. So he did not internalize what Hashem gave him. Pesach night. And, and, and after Shavuos, after Matan Torah, if you can't give a dollar to a poor person, then you didn't internalize chesed. And if you can't shut off that stupid internet or that TV show that you're watching, then you didn't internalize Gevura. And if you're ashamed of being a Jew and the way you look, then you didn't internalize Hod. And all the different midos that are there, Malchus, and you're not proud that you're a Jew, then you didn't internalize that you're a prince. It was very natural. Austin gave me a shear. And you're, you're, you're a sack of milk on the bottom of a cow. That's what you are, because you're not part of the cow. That's all you are. You're a totally separate entity. They put you in a bottle, and they sell you in the store, and that's it. You're nothing. And therefore, she's going to say to me, okay, so how, how, how do I internalize? How does one internalize? So very nice, great share. You know, you tell me seven things. So how does one internalize it? You know how you internalize it? you got to keep doing it. You keep doing it becomes something called a habit. A habit is something that becomes part of you. Now you might say, it says you shouldn't do things when it comes to Hashem out of habit. Right? It should be something that you're excited about. Guess what? I can tell you that the Torah is such good stuff that if you do it out of habit, in the end, that's why it says, how could they say that? How do they know that if I keep going to shul that I'm going to end up going to shul? Maybe I'm going to hate it. Because they're selling good stuff. And they know if you keep taking the good stuff, you're going to want the good stuff. So the Torah tells us, you know what? Do it out of habit. You don't want to give a dollar? Give the dollar. Give the dollar. 
You want to you, you turn on the thing? Don't turn it on. The next night, don't turn it on. The next night, don't turn it on. Till you don't even go, your hand doesn't even go there anymore. Because you're not just, it's not, it's not something that you look at. I used to watch television. I don't look at a television anymore. I'm not interested in, in watching television anymore. And, and I'm not going to tell you that it started because one day I said, God, I'm giving up television. Because I had the same excuses I was watching. Letterman, what's his name, Seinfeld, is Jewish. I had all my stories, you know. Like, Kramer is definitely Jewish, right? I had all my answers, right? What happened? I stopped. And the next day I stopped. And then I said, but it's a giant football game. And football, you know, big deal. I won't watch the, the and I won't, all oh, the advertisements are no good. I won't watch the advertisements. I said, no, I'm not watching football. I'm not watching anything. But when you're away from home and you're in a hotel, then it's not such a big thing. It's not at home. And you continually, you did the gvura. I'm not turning it on. I'm not turning it on. I'm not turning it on. Guess what? Not interested. And I was a crazy television watcher. Crazy. I lived there. And it wasn't that those days, but I lived in front of that television. That's where I lived. And I don't touch it. And not I don't touch it. It's not like I have to think about, I don't want to watch, I'm not interested. You know why? Because I kept saying no. That's the Kodach Hashem gives you. You keep saying no, you keep saying no, you keep saying no, you keep saying no. And now I'm not interested at all. Now if I go watch, and I'm, I'm a sugar now, because if I go watch, I'm not even interested anymore. So what are you, what are you, what are you doing the Avera for? So therefore, the answer of Shimshin says, and it's very true, is all these midos, the gvura, the strength, just over again. No. No, I'm not doing this. The chesed, I'm doing this chesed. The, the malchus, the hoid, the beauty. Look for the beauty in Torah. Look for the beauty in yourself. Look in the, for the beauty in, in, in five minutes of learning a day. It doesn't have to be an, an hour. Look for these things. Do it over and over. And soon all of a sudden it's going to open up. It's going to become part of you. The, the, the basis of where we're going, where are we driving, guys? We're driving to get up to a place that's called Nasa. That's where we're driving. Nasa means it's me. It became part of me. When someone says help, my hand goes out. I don't even need to think about it. It's a reflex. It's me. And that's something that you learn from doing something over and over and over and over. And the same way, I'm doing the wrong thing. There are people who say no before you even finish your question. Before you finish a question, a guy, whatever, today, just happened on, on the sidewalk. A guy was asking another guy if he's, if he's going to borrow park. He needed a ride. Before he even finished, he said, are you going? The guy said no. <laughs> maybe he's going to say are you going to your car are you going home no this is a guy who on the other side he's so used to no everything's no that's it if he would have said do you want me he would say no give you a million dollars oh sorry he said no you know what I mean? everything so the teva the teva of a person becomes him you, be, you become you become your teva so that's what we need to work on the next 49 days. Take a look at all the words, at the Gevura and Teferes and Hoid and Netzach and what they mean and internalize them. Make them part of you. So that when we come to Shavuos night, you're going to say, oh my gosh, it's already 5 o'clock. I didn't finish what I wanted to learn. I have one more story I wanted to tell you that I learned. I want to learn, you know. Then you know, when you know, you, Shavuos night, someone said this to me two years ago. He said, Shavuos night tells you what your Sviro was all about. If you come into Shavuos night and it's easy to learn, and you're awake and you're excited, you had a good Pesach. Pesach and Shavuos are connected. It doesn't say what day Shavuos is in the Torah. It says, count seven weeks, it's 49 days. That means that they're both connected. It's, it's not on its own. On its own it would say when is the holiday of Shavuos. It doesn't say when the holiday of Shavuos is. It says it's connected. So if you want to know how your Pesach was, and you want to know how your spirit was, look how your Shavuos is. So our, what we're trying to do here is that when we get to Shavuos night, that we're on that level that... 
We're going to want to learn. And we're going to want to do chesed. And we're going to want to do mitzvahs. And it's a very hard time, boys. It's summertime in the city. And it's not easy. And the dress code has already changed. It's very hard for a Jewish boy. It's extremely hard. And that's why we learn Pekayavos. That's why we have Pekayavos. But it's a very big test. And, and all I can ask from all of you guys is, you know, you, you can ask not to look the first time. And not to go places you're not supposed to. But definitely not allowed to look the second time. For that, you will burn a long time in the next world. The second look, there's no excuse for. That's why it says in Kriyashman, Susuru, Susuru means to follow. What is following? Susuru, it should say, You shouldn't look at girls. You shouldn't look at things you're not supposed to. What does Susuru mean? Terry was telling you not to follow. You can't follow. The person that's walking the street. You can't look the second time. The first time, it's not your fault. You went to a, a place that there's not supposed to be anyone like that. Someone crossed in front of you. For that, you, whatever. Whether you're supposed to be in that place or not, you'll give din v'cheshman. But if you look at that person a second time, for that, you're going to get pech. For all those who don't know what pech is, you can ask me afterwards. It's a good smack. Okay? So, this is the time of svira. This is the time of growth. So, of course, the Yitzhahara, he throws everything in our face. So we've got to work on ourselves to make sure that we have Shmir Senayim. Shmir Senayim brings to Kedusha to watch what you, what you see. If you can't watch the first time, that doesn't mean, I know because I had this last year, some guy said to me, oh, so I can go on the internet and look once as long as I change the picture afterwards? I'm like, no, you can't look once. You're not allowed to look once. If, chas v'shalom, someone walks by, you're not, allowed, you're not allowed to look the second time. To give everybody a bracha that this sphera, everyone in this room, these 49 beautiful presents that all of you were given by Kodesh Baruch Hu, everyone here in the Gantz Klaisrael should absorb them into their souls because that's the organ that has to absorb this blood. This blood is the Torah. This blood is the mitzvahs. This has to be absorbed into that organ, into your neshama. And if we absorb that into our neshama, then we'll see the real Malchus Malchus. Malchus Malchus is, is the 50th level. That's the level that nobody ever reached. Moshe Rabbeinu hit the 49th. Nobody, you know why they said he can only hit the 49th? That was before Mount Tyre. But, just, and, and I'll end with this for a second. Klai Yisrael left Mitzrayim, we were on the 49th level. And one more level, we would have been done. It says when Mashiach comes, we'll be on the 50th level. So they ask, but you said in Mitzrayim on the 49th level, we're done. So why when Mashiach comes, can we be on the 50th level? And the answer is that in Mitzrayim, we didn't have the Torah. Without the Torah, on the 49th level, you're done. With the Torah... It doesn't matter what level you fall to. As long as Kleisel has the Torah, with the Torah you can be on the lowest level that was never before, and a Baruch will take you up. And you will take yourself up, and a Baruch will take you up. So no matter what level Kleisel is on, there are people who don't know about Judaism, there are people that are, that are doing the worst of errors in the world, a Baruch Hu knows, but we have the Torah. And Hashem told us that with the Torah, He can take us out. May we all have the schus that He should take us out in the next 49 days, and then not the next 49, as soon as possible, to take us out of the Mitzrayim that we're in. Don't worry about Umama and Shmumama. Don't worry about all the people that are running for president. God runs the world. And whoever he wants to be is going to be anyway. You're not going to change that. And we have to trust HaKadosh Baruch Hu that whatever he wants to happen is going to be happen. Don't get nervous. Don't be nervous about what's going on in America and the gas prices and everything else. Because God is pushing all the buttons, boys. And you know what? Some people are very happy because the Gemara says that when Mashiach comes, it's exactly what's going to happen. Yishmael is going to be on the top of the world. They're going to be the richest country in the world. It's 
brought down. The, the Navi says this. The Gemara says this. And prices of oil. Everyone thought that it meant oil, shemen, zayis, olive oil, and things like that. Prices of oil and food will be at the highest prices ever since the creation of the world, which is today, which it is, and there will be a shortage. And Lamaisa, that means that everything's falling into place. So on one side, it looks really bad. But on the other side, the last pain that the woman has before she gives birth is the one that pushes the baby out. May, they, may this be the last pain. May the baby be born. And may we all be zeichet to Mashiach. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.